Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Awesome Entrepreneurs of St. John. You're listening to Local FM 107.3 in beautiful St. John at the campuses of UNB St. John. I am so lucky this week to have an international entrepreneur, born and raised and based here in St. John, Mark Gillen of Emergency Solutions International. And Mark founded his company in 2009, and it is about all about community resiliency and risk management strategies, and he's working with companies based here in St. John, New Brunswick, and literally around the world. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Connie. Thanks so much for your interest. No, thank you, Mark. So I w- <clears throat> So first of all, um, Emergency Solutions International. What do you do? Okay. Well, we we help uh, clients uh, to uh, with their resiliency needs. So all all manner of different uh, preparation in relation to security, emergency management, uh, business continuity, crisis communications. Uh, we go in and assess risk uh, within businesses and government. Uh, and have a look at areas where there may be gaps. Uh, we validate their uh, planning processes and their programs to ensure that in the, their reasonable worst-case scenario that they are, are able to, uh, to mitigate uh, crisis and to come out the other side maintaining their brand, maintaining their credibility and the safety of their, uh, of their staff. And, and customers and, and location and, and, and the places that they are. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we're we're in all different sectors. Our our programs uh, apply and are scalable within uh, every everything from uh, the federal governments. Uh, we've worked uh, cross border interoperability projects in relation to the movement of hazardous materials response teams across international boundaries, uh, right down to uh, the community based level where uh, we need to protect vulnerable populations that may be adjacent to industrial facilities. So all, all manner of the spectrum uh, of risk as it relates to, uh, to government and industry. So, so everything that relates to emergency solutions. So your, um, we're, we're, we need to do maybe some definitions here. Sure. What exactly does business continuity mean? Okay, so if, uh, if I, I realize you're, you know, you're a you're a business professor, and and whether you're opening a, a bookstore in beautiful King Street in downtown St. John, or you're standing up a, a pulp and paper mill or a, an oil refinery, uh, as a as a business owner or a board member that's practice practicing enterprise risk management, you need to be very concerned about business continuity, and that is uh, minimizing the risk that your business will be down and out. So anticipating the types of things that could happen, everything from uh, changes uh, based, on, uh, based on, say, climate change to uh, human intentional risk uh, to uh, your neighbors. You know, what are, what are the neighbors to your business and how could they, how could they put you out of, out of business? The university here, UMBSJ, uh, has, a, has a very good emergency management uh, department based through security, for example, that ensures that the university is open for business. 
events at, at all times, whether there be weather events or I know in Fredericton there's been a number of hazardous materials events that, uh, first of all, preventing anything from happening that might put you out of business, but being prepared if in fact that that does that incident does occur, that you're back in business as quickly as possible, maintaining your brand, maintaining your credibility uh, within the community and with your customers, whatever they may be. So it sounds like you do a lot of training, not just developing programs, but actually, um, so can you describe the process of, so I'm, I'm a <clears throat> pulp and paper mill, and I want, I need some risk management Sure. Plans so, or programs. So, yeah. what what would you do with me? Yeah, training is almost an outcome. Uh, training is uh, training would be uh, a couple of steps down the road. Uh, first of all, whether you're a pulp and paper mill, or maybe you're a, a brewery, or you're uh, maybe a company like Mead Johnson that's making ba- baby formula. What we would do uh, first of all is I'd bring in a team of experts that would go through the business, through all your facilities, uh, through your plans and programs, and have a look at uh, what your risk is. What is the risk? within the community? What's the risk to your product, to your operation? What are the things that could put you down on one knee? And uh, following that risk assessment uh, that we would do uh, on our own autonomously, we would meet with key managers within the organization and ideally even board members. Uh, that that sit that have a knowledge of risk, a concern about risk within within the operation. We'd we'd meet with them and we'd discuss the scenarios that that we have um, that we have uh, developed. And uh, oftentimes, uh, we come us coming in as a third party with a team of experts, whether they be in policing or whether they be in hazardous materials response or or uh, EMS. We'll we'll come up with scenarios that the. Uh, managers or, or owners of the business haven't necessarily seen. They're too close to it. Once we develop those risk scenarios, we'll discuss with uh, with the, the 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 authorities within within the, the the business, whether it be board members or whether it be the owners uh, or, or managers, uh, the probability and consequence of each one of the risk scenarios. So we'll talk about things that have happened in the past, and quite often we'll be in businesses and and they've had. 10 incidents that have happened that really haven't got too bad they you know through ingenuity or good luck they've got to the other side and and uh we don't roll those dice we don't wait for a big black swan event to take us out take us out well so we'll we'll go through those risk scenarios with them uh discuss probability and consequence and we'll create a risk registry where we can we can illustrate to folks within the the firm whether it be folks from legal or accounting that we start to quantify what the risk is and and what the investment should be to start to mitigate that risk. So that's the that's the very first step. Uh, the second thing that we do is have a look uh, through their documentation and does it reflect the risk within the organization. So they really should have plans around security, emergency management, business continuity, and crisis communications. Okay, and and there are standards within Canada that help us with that. And uh, one of our favorites to work with is uh, Canadian Standards uh, Standard um, Association uh, Z1600, which is your emergency management business continuity. It is it is your ideal state for a business. And we'll start to do a little bit of a dashboard about where the the business's program and documentation is. Th- those are our foundation pieces. And if they're not strong. Anything that we do is not going to be sustainable. The next step, 
that we that we take on is, is that of a, a validation exercise. So we'll get the key members of the organization, the ones that would come together in a time of crisis to manage that business out of crisis, whether it be a financial crisis, whether it be some sort of a, uh, a brand crisis, maybe a tainted product, maybe a, a fire or explosion, uh, maybe it's an active shooter, uh, maybe it's an active terrorism. We'll, we'll set up uh, a tabletop exercise. So bring, is that like a simulation? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so we'll take a risk scenario and we'll build out a very, very real uh, simulation for that executive team to come sit in the boardroom. They'll be with us for four or five hours and we'll run through a number of injects. And the injects uh, are, are things that they would have to deal with in, in real life. If they, if they woke up in the morning and one of their facilities was on fire or they woke up and to find that maybe the Canadi- Canadian Food Inspection Agency had said, you know, you've got a tainted po- product, you've got listeriosis in your product, what are you going to do about recall? And we'll start to manage them through a simulated crisis. And, and uh, you also said you, you include social media. So there's a tweet that comes up or there's uh, a news report comes out or a Facebook post. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. And, and, and many, many organizations that face serious risk within, within our community are managing a couple of crises at the same time. They're managing the incident that they've maybe got at their facilities or maybe with a product, uh, but at the same time, they're trying to manage traditional and social media. So we make a very, very realistic uh, exercise for them to go through to really to, to practice, but the first one is really about uh, uh, having a look at gaps, having a look at gaps in their process, their program, their documentation uh, that that really should be shored up. Uh, management of crisis is an open book test. Folks should be able to uh, anticipate the risk scenarios that they would face and have everything pre-planned, everything orchestrated right down, right down to their dark website that they would pull down their regular operational website and put up their, their the one that they've got lurking ready for that risk scenario or the tweets that, that would go out or the Facebook, uh, how, how they would manage the comment section within their Facebook and that they would have a a crisis organization prepared that would be roles and responsibilities that are outlined within uh, their uh, their their performance management system. So job descriptions within an organization. We'll look at job descriptions and we'll say, where where are the crisis leaders within this organization? Who is going to be in control? Who is going who is going to make the final decision about what you're going to tweet out? And and can they do that in 12 minutes? You know, who's going to look after operations? Who's going to look after planning, logistics, finance, liaison, safety? Uh, those are the, th- those are the so, types of things. So we delineate. And, and by virtue of this first tabletop exercise with executive members of the company who would be charged with the responsibility uh, if their firm is in crisis, they start to see the many gaps that they have in their program. And that's that, Connie, that's really our starting point. And that's where the training and programs and, and exactly. processes processes set up. Exactly. Well, and and as any business owner out there knows, uh, there are a lot of interdependencies that that business has within the community. So I may have this wonderful business continuity plan, but if my suppliers 
don't have a business continuity plan, all of a sudden I, I can't get my subcomponents yeah. Yeah. and we're down and out while it's, it's me that's twisting in the wind. My customers are calling me and say, hey, we're, you know, why, why can't I get my product? Well, you can't just say, hey, well, it's my suppliers and I really didn't, I really didn't check them out in advance. They weren't ready for that hurricane that was coming up the eastern seaboard and we can't get stock for a month. That's just, that's unacceptable in today's world. Yeah, yeah, and then so, and then the third step is the the training. Yeah, so and the process implementation. Yeah, so we, what we'll do is we'll go we'll we'll write a report generally after after folks are a little bit tired after the I'm uh, sure after the I'm, exercise. I'm sure they're a bit shell shocked about wow we thought we were more prepared than we were. It, it's it's very common. I mean it's it's a world that folks really aren't trained within within the university system for you know all hazard risk and and the management of, of crisis and there's some tremendous examples you know within our community of of leadership that has stepped forward and managed uh, managed their firm you know mr. McCain uh, within the uh, listeriosis crisis that uh, that uh, Maple Leaf Foods faced I mean there's there was a leader that that stuck stepped out in front of that of that problem uh, took took responsibility talked about a mitigation strategy and they did what it took to get to the other other side of that many many leaders who are tremendous leaders on a day-to-day basis uh, are are brought to their knees by crises that that maybe their team hasn't prepared for and their their company is seen to be slow to react and interpreted as being uh, not responsive to their customers or uh, to the you know, community. Not a good community steward. That's exactly right. I mean, if you're an industrial facility and uh, you, uh, you really haven't prepared and you affect the community and, it's, and, it, and there's a perception that you weren't prepared... Uh, you take a hit. Your brand takes a hit, and and it may not, you know, it may not be something that's deserved. Maybe you've had some, maybe you've had some bad luck. I mean, uh, but really, in 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 today's world, there's an expectation uh, within the culture that that firms that present risk to a community are, are are really ready, and that they respect the interdependencies within the community. That they have. They have looked to the folks that they would maybe respond to their crisis with and that they form those relationships in advance. So one of them may be the media. You know, if, if I'm a, when I was a, a fire chief, uh, we had a, a tremendous proactive relationship with the media to ensure that, uh, that there was a level of trust there, that if we were at an incident and I was delayed in speaking with them and letting them know that what was going on, that they could trust that, there was a reason that we were maybe overwhelmed operationally, and that I would get to them. Uh, but we we did a tremendous amount of a work in advance. Respect. Absolutely, mutual respect. Absolutely, of, of 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 their of their work and your work, and and so they they understand that you build that respect and you build that trust, and I'm sure you that's what you help clients. You talk to them about that need, and so actually. There's a few directions I want to go to, but you've mentioned, so this is not your first career. Entrepreneurship isn't your first career. No. no. Your first career was? I was a firefighter with the St. John Fire Department, and uh, uh, after- For a few years, one or two years, (laughs) or maybe 27? 27, 27 (laughs) years, yeah. It it just went by in a flash, and I guess uh, guess if I, uh, I, I- 
I will never not picture myself as a firefighter. It was something that was ingrained. And uh, St. John has a, a proud tradition of firefighting uh, well over 200 years. And uh, I would offer that uh, St. John being Canada's uh, first incorporated city uh, is, is one of the uh, most complex cities to be either a firefighter or a command officer. And I would say that my passion for what I do now uh, was was formed by virtue of being an operational firefighter and then someone who was responsible for the safety of individuals who had to respond to what are very difficult uh, situations. One, Canada's one, St. John is one of Canada's uh, busiest fire departments by virtue of, first of all, geographical size. We're 126 square miles in St. John, but the, the peculiarity and as identified by the National Fire Protection Association, is one of the most complex cities based on uh, really what was a lack of urban planning uh, hundreds of years ago, whereby we have really three cities that have been merged into one uh, and an, a, a very heavy industrial base that is really woven right into the fabric of the community. So we have industrial fence line that is right there with, uh, with residential properties and uh, places of assembly and things of that nature. So the skills of the fire service leaders and the firefighters here in St. John, I think, are finely tuned uh, in relation to risk. Again, everything comes back to that risk assessment. And, and, and having a broad view of what exactly risk is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is the capability commensurate with the level of risk within the community? Is the training there? Is the planning and preparation there? You just you can't make up the response piece, whether you're a corporation, whether you're a fire service, you know, at four o'clock in the morning and put it together with duct tape and bubble gum and hand out business cards. That's not how it works. You've got to put a lot of legwork in to make sure that everybody is uh, seamlessly going to action uh, when you get and that prepared. Absolutely. And prepared all the time, even for something that might not come up once in a career. That's absolutely true. And I guess as as my as my career uh, ended, as I was coming to the end of my career, um, I uh, I was fortunate enough to um, to do a fair amount of work with uh, Defense Research and Development Canada. That was in the context of St. John, and it was following 9/11 in the in, in work that our federal government did around what at the time was called the uh, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive program. And it was about really community resiliency in relation to human intentional events, uh, terrorism that could be uh, perpetrated within a community using the natural uh, threat that was there. St. John was right there on the cusp as the, of the federal government interest based on the things that we have here. We have a nuclear power plant. We have Canada's only liquefied natural gas, you know, regasification facility, uh, the, I believe the largest oil refinery in North America, proudly. Uh, lots of different uh, things within the community that could cause, you know, some that, that, that are there should folks, uh, you know, choose to to create intentional risk and we continue that work today we continue to uh, provide services to defense research and development Canada in relation to project management for some some high level and very interesting uh, projects that help resiliency for our country and so you've really you really leveraged your 27 years in the fire department as a as a firefighter but also as a deputy and acting fire chief into your own into your role as entrepreneur, business owner, and 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 global entrepreneur, um, you also did a. I have to 
make a plug for UNB St. John and the Faculty of Business. You're also a proud alumni of the Faculty of Business. And and do you feel that the, the that was like complementary? You were looking for complementary skills here at the university? Uh, absolutely. I, I was, um, as a young firefighter, I was concerned about, uh, I, I did not have a university degree when I started out in the fire department at 19 years old. It was a different ball game back then when I was 19. And uh, uh, my my wife uh, was uh, president of the graduating class here. Uh, as a firefighter, I uh, took a number of injuries early on in my career. And I, I wondered, you know, what will happen to me if I'm in my 40s or something and, and become seriously injured at work. So I started plugging away at a business degree while I was working and uh, uh, had tremendous uh, education out here. I, I was on the 10-year program. So that's four courses a year, lots of Saturdays, lots of evenings. Uh, some tre- tremendous uh, uh, professors out here, uh, Shelley Reinhardt, uh, Deb Armstrong, um, and I, I, I shouldn't have started naming people because I'll, I'll, I'd forget somebody. But it was uh, what was terrific about doing a degree part time out here was that uh, I could really integrate things that I was doing within my work, and I could really relate. So. Re- rather than a, a young person going through and doing four years which with not a lot of life experience i had already seen you know different sort of a lot of different things in life and uh and and the fire department is a business in st john it's a 20 million dollar business a year and uh, really the the services that it provides causes other businesses to really operate or attract business to st john industry to st john uh, so it it was a business it was very important to me as i moved into a member as a member of command staff to have credibility within city hall to be able to manage a, a 20 million dollar budget to be able to put together you know capital programs to replace equipment there's very very complex technical equipment within the fire service we in st john they, we run a uh, what is a regional hazardous materials response team that responds over half of new brunswick and is you know paid uh you know a fee by the provincial government to have that capability and it in New Brunswick, but it, it is a business like everything else. Where anytime money changes hands, is it's a business. And the education I got here was was uh, tremendous uh, as far as helping me. I would offer. I, I forgot something. Roberta Lee was uh, my effective writing uh, coach here, and and uh, I just saw Roberta at a at a store here just after Christmas, and uh, she was brilliant. And I and I think if there was one thing that was very very specific to. Uh, helping me along and, and we we provide reports now to Transport Canada Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission we do work in nuclear and uh, without Roberta Lee here at UMBSJ there's no way that that would happen oh that that's <laughs> wonderful as a as a as a communications and management professor that's wonderful to hear that we are very useful to our our, our our students I want to there's there's so many things that I, I want to talk to, with you about um <clears throat> two things I really need to get to is is having St. John as your base for international international clients. So you don't just work with um, companies and organizations. You work with communities, large communities such as the country of St. Lucia and, and, and smaller communities. Can you tell me a little bit about using St. John as a base uh, and and how you are working at developing community resiliency around the world. Okay, so I guess first of all, um, what we've been able to do over the past seven years is really refine a, a product and, and services uh, that are, are scalable 
and are directly applicable no matter what country in the world uh, that you're under. And, and that, that we're, no matter what country in the world, we, we could do business there if we've got the right connections and we've got the right support. Very expensive to work internationally to uh, the, uh, the sales cycle to get in in other countries is very complicated. And, and uh, But that said, we've been successful. We've worked uh, uh, over a dozen projects in, in Florida, uh, a handful in Louisiana, New Mexico, Minnesota. Um, uh, we have a very good uh, budding relationship in Saskatchewan. We've, we've worked 10 projects in Saskatchewan in mining uh, and, and a head office, a vertical uh, to their head office in, uh, in, in Plymouth, Minnesota. But we've also provided services in India. And, and, and I guess what, like that was a, an eye-opener to me. You know, we, 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 you know if you're a, a secured port facility in Jamnagar, India, you are the same as a secured port facility in St. John, New Brunswick. So by virtue of really growing up here in St. John in what is a very risky community <laughs> uh, really have, have have learned uh, about applying experience but then it goes beyond that because really any sort of product that you're offering international internationally has to be recognizable and tied back to standards and we've we've managed to do that so we I, I do believe that we have um, our own our own product that is uh, a better than uh, any folks that are playing in the space that we're in. I see uh, folks like Deloitte, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and some of the folks at the big four trying to uh, play in the space that we're in. And, I, and they're really smart people. I'm sure that they'll get their head around it. Uh, but I know that we do a much better job. Uh, the team that I put together is is folks that really resonate with our clients. So, And when we were able to do business in India, both in Delhi, in Mumbai, and the port of Jamnagar, and I saw that the uptake in India was better than the uptake here, even in New Brunswick. We we're saying we've really got we've really got something here. And for a Canadian firm to work in the states, I, if anybody's out there that's listening that's doing business in the states, you really have to be good what you about what you do, particularly. If you're going into boardrooms with vice presidents and a president, you know, you, you go into these these organizations, they're stone cold killers. So you've got to have something to hold their attention. So to take maybe like to take a, a publicly traded firm on the New York Stock Exchange and go in and do a four or five hour exercise, you've got to have some pretty good product and some pretty good outcomes from that. And uh, so we've been able to able to do that from St. John uh, based on that. We have uh, an approach that I think is more thorough uh, and more people-based than anybody that would play in our space. Uh, but as well, it is uh, it is something that is tied back to standards. And when we move and to the- international yeah. standards, you were mentioning something before about the Sunday UN Sunday. Yes, yes. so we, we, were, we were very fortunate. We've been building a relationship uh, with the government of St. Lucian. We've been very fortunate to have direct meetings on an ongoing basis with the Prime Minister uh, of, of St. Lucian, Alan, Alan Chassanet, and the, uh, the Consul General in Toronto. We have regular meetings with Miss Francis there. And uh, they are very interested in us taking over their uh, over their um, uh, resiliency for their country. Uh, uh, Prime Minister Chastney is keenly aware of the the risk that that hurricanes pose to the businesses within St. Lucia and his people, and he really wants to be a a leader within the organization of Eastern Caribbean states. And so, again, our our models, our, our planning. 
uh, training exercises and evaluation are something that are scalable right from a local firm here in St. John right to the government of St. Lucia. I, I, I wish we had another half hour, hopefully, maybe in, in a few months, uh, I'll get you back, you'll find time to get you back to, to talk more about this internationalization of a, of a St. John based business. Thank you, Mark, so much of Emergency Solutions International for coming on, sharing your your experience, sharing your your company, and sharing your very positive story about about being an entrepreneur in St. John and making a huge impact locally and internationally. Thank you very much. Connie, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back at UMBSJ. We really appreciate your interest in our business. No, I, it, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Now I'm, I'm going to thank you for listening to um, Awesome Entrepreneurs of St. John. And I'm going to leave you with um, Brett Mason for the last two minutes. And again, thank you very much for coming on, Mark. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.